I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone. It's time for The Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show. Thank you, Places. Well, we just wrapped up a great visit with uh, Matthew's parents. They were there. His father uh, is working on a book, and so that was the focus. Yep, we were trying to finish up the book. Now they're on their way home, and now we are rushing to our podcast, and the boys have been acting crazy. So if you hear any barks or growls in the background, that's, that's what's happening. That's what's up. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Sushmita Masumdar right after this. Bye. I'm good. Is the sound good? Yeah. Yes. We okay. Can do- I'm I'm here using a Bluetooth earbud earbuds, so thought I'd try that out. Sounds great. Yes. Okay. Welcome. Thank you. So Sushmita, we met years ago at I guess probably about not that many years ago, but uh, maybe f- four years ago, maybe five at the columbia pike farmer's market during your recipes for you project oh my gosh yeah that was 2016 so yeah five years now yeah yeah um and then matthew and i had the pleasure of uh meeting you again at arlington mill community center i can't remember what the event was Mm -hmm. yeah i remember that that was uh there were some public spaces events that arlington county was getting the public to respond on respond about right yeah yeah Um, and i was there with my home at arlington project which was part of the public art master plan update Yes. Um, and actually, that update has only just come out. It's just out for public uh, comment right now. Five years the, later or four years later? Um, yeah. That was 2018. 18, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it, it takes a few years to kind of get that all together. and Yeah, yeah that's what I realized because that was my first time working um, on uh, doing any work with public art. And, you know, everything in public art is like long term. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> Very so long that term. Was, yeah, that was interesting because, uh, you know, um, I, it's very much, I was very much interested in uh, what people think about the art in their community, uh, especially if it's out there for anybody to see, you know, it was really interesting. So public art meaning that uh, for those who are listening, uh things that are put in public places for everyone to to see right well with that that's that's the thinking behind it but so it depends on who is um creating the public art if it's the county they do it in a way that everybody can it's a a public space and everybody has access to it um but a lot of times the projects might be a developer's project it might be tied to a location or an apartment community so it's in that community and it's mostly seen by the people who live there. So there's different ways in which they do the public art. Um, sometimes developers will put it in like a shopping center, but it will be an artist they pick. Of course, they work, many, many people work with the county um, in helping figure out the, you know, what's best, uh, what works best in the community. So there's different ways. So for example, for, um, 
on Columbia Pike Public Art, there's Echo at Petro uh-huh. Square, uh-huh. Uh, statues. And yeah. then uh, at Centro, there is a public art piece in the um, courtyard that just right. got installed. Uh-huh. Um, and we're still waiting on the Donald Lipsky sculpture at the mm-hmm. Western Gateway, right. which is which is all tied up with, um, you know, uh, the basically the uh, redoing of the road and the mm-hmm. all the stuff, yeah. the construction there on the West End. But we're looking forward, hopefully, to that coming online sometime in the before um, or in the fall, hopefully. Um, but the the, the project uh, Home at Arlington is that what uh-huh. it's called? Yes. So you had little pre-cut house shape uh, uh, pieces of like cardboard or like a thin cardboard. Um- no, so what that was is, so um, I don't know, I mean, so for your listeners, um, I am a book artist, and uh, that is what my Columbia Pike recipe for you was a recipe book, which people made, uh, picking out the recipes that they wanted to pick. So usually in a recipe book, there's all kinds of recipes, and we might use a few, or we might like a few. And so what I had done with the recipe book was um, interviewing 12 uh, restaurant owners and getting recipes and their stories and photographs and putting them on display for people to pick whichever ones they wanted, either because they loved it or because they had never tried it. Mm-hmm. So similar. And then I taught them how to make it into a book using a cinnamon stick or chopsticks, you know, that kind of stuff. So Home at Arlington um, was actually I was asked to design a project which would engage the people about public art, and there was a survey which was online. And so uh, the, the proposal, you know, they re- required me to somehow take the survey to the public. And so for me, you know, surveys online are somebody's cup of tea, not mine. It's kind of, you know, boring. Or, you know, as a marketing person, we try to incentivize people to take a survey. So I thought if I asked people, told them, you know, you fill out the survey and it, I'll show you how this becomes a house-shaped book. So it's an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, regular paper. Of course, I got them in beautiful colors and stuff on which I, on one side, I put the survey questions. And on the other side, I wanted people to draw, you know, what they liked, what kind of public art they would want in their community. So they were um, answering the survey, but not just by checking boxes. And that way we could engage children, we could engage, you know, anybody who wanted to draw um, and write about where do you take people who come, you know, if you have guests visiting you from out of uh, state, where would you take them in Arlington, like to see? And, you know, is it in D.C.? Is it in Arlington? Where is it? So those kind of questions I had on the other side. And when they finished the survey, I would show them how just a couple of folds and a couple of cuts and the piece of paper folds into a house-shaped book. So it was very exciting. People were so excited and, you know, parents would fill out the survey and kids would do the art. And then we would go and hang it. I was scaring around this um, a frame, a three-frame panel, which I had picture wire strung all across because I also wanted people to think, what do they think is art? Usually they think of something in a frame that you hang on the wall, but this was a frame with picture wire on which you hung your responses and your hopes and your dreams in the form of these books. So that is what um, the project was. 
And and what happens to all of those tiny little houses after the project? So, so you know, when uh, I was doing, I did about 13 locations all across uh, Arlington, and each location had a particular color paper. Um, and so when I when people fill it out, I invited them, I gave them a postcard and a sticker. The sticker said, thank you for joining in the project. Um, and the postcard said, your art will be on display at the Bosman Center. Uh, on so-and-so date, you can come and bring your family and they can see your your response, your art over there. So everything that was collected went into this massive display of 240 books. Um, and that was in the lobby of the you know Arlington Government Center. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's called the Bosman Center now. It was in their lobby where public art um, has space where they display their projects. So people could come and see this is the voice of the community. This is everybody's art, you know, uh, older people were doing art. They loved it. It was really fun. I'd sit there with color pencils and uh, people were drawing what they wanted to see, you know. So all of that was on display. And so now, and the way I designed it, it was eight and a half by 11. When we took that down, I, they all went into a binder and the public art uh, team has it all with them. Oh, wow. So they can always flip through it. They could always look at it, the binder can go to the consultant, you know, whatever anybody wanted to do with it. It was all um, color coded. So they knew the light blue was, um, you know, from the county event and the uh, green, one of the greens was from the farmer's market in Cl- Columbia Pike. Another green was Roslyn farmer's market, you know, so it was all coded like that. So you had before uh, any of this, you had a, a career in advertising, right? Right. Can you tell us about that? Because that was in India and America, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I worked in advertising in India for about nine or uh, nine or ten years uh, as an art director working in, um, you know, various ad agencies like J. Walter Thompson and Lintas Lowe and um, working with local clients. You know, I lived in Mumbai, which is the big uh, like the New York, I would say, for India which is the financial capital and the business capital at the time, at least. Um, So, yeah, I did work on those kind of things. And then when I came to the U.S., um, I for a couple years, uh, four years or five years, I continued that work here. And and so what and were you always kind of uh, working on art? As, well, yeah, because you were art director, but were yeah. you working on your own art or was it for clients? No. Always? So, right. Yeah. So in advertising, you know, you work for the clients and it's very different because um, you have to. Yeah, you do come up with an idea for the client. But the bottom line, you know, we all know the bottom line that we have to sell a product or an idea or a service. And so and that would be measured in a very particular way. And so, you know, we worked backwards and designed things. So, for example, if you know whatever you create, you have to sell that shampoo. For example, I worked on L'Oreal, right? So everything we created was so that we would sell that shampoo. So, um, you know, in about like around after my second kids, around 2006, I decided to quit advertising. I stayed at home with my second kid and I decided to start writing stories and making for my kids, you know, because they were American and I um, grew up in India and I wanted them to know 
how people lived in other parts of the world, what childhoods were like. So I taught myself writing and I taught myself book arts. But the designing the book was easy for me because I'd done that, you know, graphic design. I designed annual reports, magazines, whatever, you name it. So that part was easy. And so in a lot of my work in the book arts, I very much use my expertise or knowledge in designing, uh, you know, text and materials and book book like things. So but I'm very particular because as an artist, I have to focus on what I want to do. Right. That is what we do. Right. Right. Rather rather than looking. So sometimes I'll have somebody, you know, who might want an outcome. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I cannot. I don't do that anymore. This is not about the outcome. This is about me putting in, putting my idea. So I'm still learning this. It's been quite a while. I'm still learning that because, you know, an old thing is hard to break. So I'm kind of learning how to be an artist for myself. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because I'm different and each artist is different. And what we see, we can show others what we see, you know. Did your did your art world change dramatically in the last year during the pandemic as far as uh, doing stuff online or figuring yeah. out what was that about? Oh, my goodness. So for me, everything changed because I run a community space for art and stories called Studio Pause. And um, the Studio Pause is in um, in 2015. I was invited by AHC Inc., which is a affordable housing company in Arlington to bring my studio from South Arlington into their um, a community near in North Arlington called Gates of Boston. So it's, you know, in the Buckingham neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm in the Rinker Community Center there and I've been there since 2015, December. And then what happens, the building is closed to the public because of the pandemic. So I was at home. I don't have even a box of color pencils at home. I have you know, everything is in the studio. So for me, eventually the building let us in. So the leasing office, they have a couple people in and I'm in, but that's it. There's three people in the building and the resident services uh, staff is there, but no public events. And so, and you know, we were terrified. So I sat there, the building was so quiet. I'm not used to that because it's a very bustling community center. There's like you know, two counselors there from the Department of Human Services who work with the community. There are uh, computer rooms. You know, there's after school programs for the children who live in the community. There is, um, you know, REAP does language classes there, uh, English, uh, English, Spanish. So it's very vibrant and bustling till like nine in the night every every day. And then suddenly there's not a sound in that building. There's not a sound in the community outside. You know, so it was very, very strange. Um, meanwhile, you know, the studio pause, we have our own community that who come there, who interact, who make time for art, for stories. We have shows, people come for receptions. I do workshops with the children in the aftercare. So what do we do? What is what do we do when the space is closed? So two things came out of that. One is um, I thought if nobody can come here is there some way the space can go to people and so i uh, designed this project called we paused it's a book a handmade book that the studio pause community 
which is, you know, everyday people who come in, you know, to explore creativity. We write, we have shows, they show their art. You know, they might not, they're not professional artists, but they show their work that they do. Some people are professional artists. Um, and so, you know, since I was still in touch with them, either through Zoom or one-on-one, -on -one, they would come downstairs, I'd meet them at the playground, or somebody would, you know, one of them figured out how to make the studio a safe space with six feet apart tables and everything, open windows. So one-on-one -on -one people would come in. So I still knew what people were doing. And I thought it'd be great to put all that together in a book and then distribute it in the community. The 460 units are in that apartment community. So that is a project that we are working on right now. It's coming out um, in a couple months. And that uh, you can check it out on my website. So that would be studiopause.com slash projects slash we paused. Um, and the idea is that we all paused in many different ways. The pandemic was a pause for everybody. And if we share what we did and we share it with other people, can we connect with those people? Can they find something in common or something completely different, but find ways in which we connect and interact. So the book is interactive. It's in three languages. It's, there'll be parts in Spanish, in Arabic, and in English. Uh, there'll be art, photography, essays, poetry, all kinds of things that we did. You know, the studio community did that um, through the year, whether it's, uh, you know, out of, you know, because we are, we can't handle all this because we're overwhelmed, because we're terrified or because we found something to celebrate, because something brought us joy, because we found healing in something. So just all kinds of things. So that is um, a, one project, a big project that we are working on right now. Uh, and we got a, a grant from Virginia Humanities to do this work. So we're very excited. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're very excited. It's my first time working not my first time, actually. Um, the Columbia Pike Documentary Project was my first time working with Virginia Humanities um, as a grantee. Um, and the second thing that came out of the pandemic was very personal because as I sat in my studio with nobody there, you know, because usually we have um, a, a reception every month, we have an, a micless night every month, so and then every weekly we have writing sessions that people come in for writing and people come in to do art and children and you know there's a group of adults with disabilities who are arlington weaves they used to come in every month so it was really a lot of people i would see every month and now i was just sitting there by myself and as i kept saying there's nobody here it's another month and there's still nobody here and i realized at one point that there is somebody here it's me <laughs> You know, and I had two friends, you know, Rana and Mary Louise, and they both kept saying, you know, you have to, where's your personal website? And I was on some grants panels and, you know, people were, the uh, panelists were saying, oh, this artist doesn't have their own personal website. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a personal website. And so, you know, I kind of decided to create yet another website. And so... It's called sushmitamazumdar.com. It's an e-commerce website. And I have my art and my prints for sale over there. 
And I have, you know, some writing. I have a blog, and so people can see my writing. Because what my friends were saying is that, you know, we come to the studio, we know what you do, but we never read your writing. Who reads your writing? All the stuff that you write. And I'm like, you know, it's in my computer somewhere. So that was a, a huge thing for me. Uh, I launched it on International Women's Day in March. Mm. I said, enough. Enough of just playing with Squarespace and trying to figure things out. I just launched it. Right. Uh, just put it out there. So that's SushmitaMazumdar.com. Yeah. And if you can spell my name, you can find that website. <laughs> well, we will put the link in the description of the podcast. Awesome. So people can find it. Sushmita, I want to um, go back to studio pauses. I guess there, there are... There's a thing I have here that I'd like to read people so they understand what pause really means for you. Sure. The P means people. We are inspired <laughs> by everyday people because they are creative and they know a lot. The A is for art. Everyone has art in them and should get to explore and enjoy it. The U is for understand. Art and stories help us understand the people around us and the things they love. The S is for share. We share our stories graciously and take graciously as we learn about each other. And then the E is for explore. What will we discover as we explore our senses and our emotions? So that's really cool uh, to put that all together. And that's why it's Studio Pause. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I've, like, I've been um, doing a lot of different things in my life. I've you know worked in advertising where I saw how clients drive you know, drive the work. And I've seen how the creative community drives the work, but it's always an exchange. You know, we want something from the other people and we think we know who they are, the target audience. And, and you know, I got tired of that after a while because it was all about how much money, how much money can we make for the clients? How many awards can we win? And, oh, we know the audience so well. And clearly we don't, we can't, right? We can't know all the audience, how much ever, we work with focus groups and stuff. And then um, another very big factor in my life has uh, been, you know, when I came to the US from India for six months, I would not have a work permit. And so I was telling my husband, what am I going to do? I'd, I've never not worked. So he said, asked me if I'd like to join um, the Smithsonian as a docent at the Asian Art Museum. So I trained to be a docent and I've been doing that since 2000. So 21 wow. years. And, you know, that taught me another side of art and interacting with the public. And they, so there is fantastic masterworks and it's all free for the public to come in and see. And so as I learned over there and was giving tours and, you know, interacting with the public, I was seeing how odd they were. It was so fantastic. It was amazing. But I got to learn how to talk about other cultures to these visitors and wherever they're coming from, right? Whether they're American or um, visit, uh, you know, travelers, whatever. So there I learned, I saw people reacting to that kind of art, that kind of a space. And I always wondered, would you do art? But people were always intimidated. No, 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 I'm not an artist. This right. is art. Oh my God, these are all million dollar things, right? So over the years, I was very curious, like where is, why? isn't art in everybody's life. Now, coming from India, art is really in everything over there. If you pick up a textile, you go somewhere to buy a, a, a traditional uh, dress, you will get beautiful art in the textile. 
because the weavers are artists, you know, you buy us, you go uh, to buy jewelry and jewelry is gorgeous because somebody's sitting in the back making the jewelry. So art is really in everybody's life in some form or the other, or they're singing songs. They're having, they're gathering, meeting friends and singing. Like I know art is in everybody, but there's no space where we can just go and be silly and try these things out without being scared that people are going to judge us. Right. And um, and then I felt that way for myself. Like in the museum, I'm a certain way. I can't just be myself. Uh, when I'm at work, I'm a certain way. When I'm with friends, you know. So where is that place where I can be whatever I want to be? And now so. For- for, yeah. Sorry, for our, for our listeners, you had said you had become a docent. Mm-hmm. Now, can you explain what that is? Yes. So a docent is a museum educator. Um, and the way docents work is they are trained in um, the collections of the museum. So I'm a docent at the Smithsonian's National Museum of Asian Art, which is the Freer and Arthur M. Sackler Gallery. And there we are trained uh, in the collections of that gallery at those two museums and in the art history. So as we give tours, there's no script, there are themes and we create tours out of the objects we like based on who the group is that we're giving a tour to. And so we design these tours ourselves and then we are, you know, trained in uh, methods of education and research and, you know, in engaging the public and things like that. And so, that's what we do. We give tours. So I'm going to be an art geek for a second. Do you have, yes. do you have like a fame? Do you, do you follow someone's work that you absolutely love that is not known? Do you follow someone's work that is worldwide renowned? Do you have a favorite style or period or era? So, uh, so the museum, the two, uh, the museum houses the collection of Charles Lang Freer. He donated his collection of Asian art to the Smithsonian to form the first art museum of the Smithsonian. So we have to work with what he has collected. And then based on that, the curators over the years have collected to add to his collection. And then the uh, Arthur M. Sackler Gallery has the collections of Sackler, but that we also have like traveling exhibits come there. So, you know, um, I love, I love East Asian art. I love Japanese calligraphy, for example. And, you know, I've been very much interested in that. I think calligraphy, I studied calligraphy in school, but because of my love for languages and scripts, I think calligraphy has really, I've soaked it in unknown, un, um, unknowingly. So Islamic calligraphy, the Persian um, scripts of Nastalik, you know, there's certain things that I realize now when I look at my work, because the last one year I've just been doing my own paintings and my own art. And I realized that I've, I've been very much influenced by um, the different forms of writing that is in the Asian art that I give tours of. So that was very exciting for me. I, I would like to go back to the uh, recipes for you for a moment. Sure. I have to full disclosure. So, you know, I, I work for uh, ColumbiaPike.org, CPRO, and, you know, yeah. when it was clear we were going to have to, you know, go home and work from home mm-hmm. back in March, I took, I basically emptied out my desk. And here's, you know, a side note, we were 
planning on moving out of that space because that right. building is being redeveloped. Mm-hmm. So we were, this kind of just accelerated our packing and moving, which was a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. And the uh, Black Heritage Museum is now in our space mm. uh, until the space gets demolished and they have to find another home. But, you know, at least they're in a front and uh, like street facing space right. where they'll get seen and noticed. But anyway, I boxed up my desk. And so it's been like over a year, just this past week, I finally unpacked the box of stuff that I really didn't need. And I had to go through it and kind of get rid of things. And right. And but what did I find? Something I really did need. This is a folder containing printouts of all the recipes for you, interviews and um, recipes. Oh, look at that. (laughs) And I have it right in front of me. And, you know, it's just so uh, interesting because there's several of these that aren't there anymore, you know. And or or like I look at Mohammed from uh, City Kebab and they just moved to a new okay. state um, and just opened. And, OK, but of course, uh, like this, these are all like we had the buy a nurse lunch program that we've done. And a lot of these restaurants were partners and uh-huh. Claudia Salazar from Saison. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really something to go through through this. And listeners, I'll put the link for this as well, but you can go yeah. see a PDF of this yeah. um, online and all of this is there for you to see. But like Mihi from Rink and Tai and the list goes on. It's it's such right. a beautiful grouping of stories and recipes and how to share not only your story, but your culture yeah. and sharing culture through food. Uh, so, so important. It's so interesting. We were, we were talking to... Um, we were trying to continue the Bioners lunch program and this was like halfway through and there were some ideas floating around that maybe we should purchase gift cards from these restaurants, mm-hmm. not food. And mm-hmm. so, and I was talking to Claudia about it, what she thought and Claudia said, but we love with our food. Yeah. You know, that is so true. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so the second that she said that, everyone was like, yep, absolutely, you're correct. We'll keep purchasing food, not cards. Um, right. Uh, so that's been a great experience, too, because, as you know, with Columbia Pike, you can eat across the world, basically. Absolutely. You know, and that's like, but that, you know, that brings me to when Cynthia Connolly said she wanted, you know, I wish I could do this. She's the special projects curator for um, the Arlington Arts, she had come to my studio and she said, I wish I could go and do that on Columbia Pike. Hello? Are you there? Yeah. Can you okay. hear me? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Sorry. Happened. Okay. So, you know, um, I, I, what I told her is, you know, we, people go to these restaurants, but we don't really know the people who run them. We eat the food and we go, right? And mm-hmm. so what I was really interested in is interviewing each of the, the, the restaurant owners who agreed to work with us. Many of them couldn't because they were just so busy, right? right so right. how do I, and how do I pick? There's so many. I've also lived on Columbia Pike many years ago. So I actually asked people I know. So I remember asking uh, like Emma Violan Sanchez. I said, Emma, 
what re what restaurant do you like on Columbia Pike? What should I go check out? She said, oh, go to this place, go to, and ask them why are they called a pizza place, you know? And so, yeah. so I had the community actually tell me where they go. And on my friend KK, she said, oh, we eat at Rincon all the time. You go and talk to me and, you know, the two sisters. So I would go to them and say, you know, so-and-so told me to come and talk to you. And so it kind of showed me how deeply this everybody's connected, you know? I mean, Absolutely. it's food, but it's so connected. And then, you know, recently I was talking to Cynthia and I said, it'd be cool to go back and uh, re-look at who's there, you know, just like what, how are they doing now? And then I was driving down Walter Reed and I saw that Mexican restaurant is not there anymore. Yes. Right? And I was like, I, I never got back to Cynthia because I was, it just hit me that they might not all be there. Will I, how will I deal with that? I'm just, you know, because the pandemic has been so, so overwhelming and so terrifying. And to just know, so it was, I'm happy you told me City Kebab moved because sometimes we see they're gone and we just think they're gone, but they might have moved to somewhere better. They might have retired. You know, I like to think of those things as well. Yeah, I, so. I, I think I'm looking through the list. Um, we did, a, we worked with um, the team at Biz Launch uh, uh -huh. to, to feature um, three restaurants owned by um, international women, basically. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. highlighted Dama, uh, Rincom, and Cafe yep. Cezanne, and it was a big story. Oh, and, great. And it was, it was lovely um, yeah. because it's like rediscover your favorite things. Often when new things come, the shiny object gets all the attention. Yeah, but, yeah. But the staples in the community are what make the community what it is. And, yeah. And I will say that, like, so, so yeah, Cantina Mexicana, there was, yeah, they are closed, unfortunately, um, for yeah. good but they have, there's a new restaurant there now called Los Chamacos that is... Yeah, yep, that's what I saw. And I'm like, oh, uh, this is new. So, you know, um, another thing that was really neat is, um, and I wrote a blog post about this again as part of the Columbia Pike recipes, is that um, I think out of the 12 I interviewed, I think nine went to school in Arlington and they're still in Arlington running businesses in Arlington. Wow. And so that was incredible because, you know, you know people might not know that. We think they're from somewhere else, but they came here a long time ago and or they grew up here. They went to high school here. Then they went to college here and they're still here, you know, running businesses. So that was one incredible um, thing that I found. So, you know, that for me, that was the that was the exciting payoff that I found with this project that, you know, these stories, if they, these are long stories. That's basically it. They're not like quick, come here, make money and go somewhere else. You know, she's been here so long. I mean, how long? Like she came here to go to school, to go to college. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so much of, of what we're trying to do is make yeah. sure that um, legacy businesses right. um, remain. And there's so yeah. much that's being redeveloped and like, you know, our building is in the same, our office is in the same building as Attila's. So that's okay. going to get redeveloped. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's so many that have, have huh. 
you know, the salsa room closed yeah. and moved to uh, oh. Tyson's. Okay. So that's yeah. a good move. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to make you know, sure we don't I'd lose. love to, I'd love to talk with you more on this because, and then maybe go back to Cynthia and tell her, yeah, I will do a, a revisit five years later of the Columbia bike recipes. That'll be something to think about now that you're bringing it all up, you know? Well, now that I have all the contacts <laughs> in the world for all these restaurants, <laughs> like they're all my friends basically. Yeah, so I tried. There's, there's a lot of, uh. A new interesting stories. Um, yeah. There's, oh my gosh, the, um, don't get me started on restaurants on Columbia Pike because <laughs> that's going to turn into the podcast, but there's right. the new Supreme Hot Pot that's on um, South Adams Street that is okay. beautiful. When you walk oh. in there, like the art on the walls, it's all uh -huh. like, you know, Asian dragons and cats mm. and it's vibrant and beautiful. Um mm -hmm. And yeah, anyway, there's a lot of new restaurants. We can have a sidebar about that. So sure, but, um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, through, through, um, through cuisine, uh, it's just another way to share culture. Yeah. Uh, as and with every other form of art that we talk about on this show. You know? So, you know, that is a great thing because, you know, in my studio, when we have receptions, every reception, uh, the artist gets to decide what is in the reception. Because a lot of times, because I work with so many diverse people, I'm very conscious of, you know, galleries will have cheese and wine. I don't drink wine. And my, uh, I have friends who don't eat cheese. So, you know, when we have, I remember we had um, a Taiwanese um, artist once uh, and she said, can I bring candy from my country? And, you know, I said, yes. So the table she, and she was so homesick. You know, she had just got all this candy, Taiwanese candy and a little snacks and cookies and things like that. And when I had the children who are in the after school program come up to see the show and meet the artist, they just saw all that candy and they said, where all like, what is this candy? Because all the packaging was in Taiwanese. Right. They were. And then they got to taste some. And she was like, here, you want to taste this? This tastes like this. This is like that. And I was just watching her. It's like. She was back home, you know, she was so celebrating home, even though the show was about her photography. But the food was about her and her childhood and her culture and her home, you know. So for me, I understand how food is a very important part of how we share our stories. And because an art, when we share our art, we're not just sharing our art. We're sharing everything about us and our entire story. So to allow that kind of stuff is a very big part of my studio work. And so people will tell me, oh, today I ate my first, whatever, Taiwanese candy in your studio. <laughs> right. And I'm very, I'm very proud that I can do that because, you know, who am I to decide what your family will eat at my studio? I don't do that. I do have some basics. Even when I'm doing the basics, I'm thinking about people who don't do sugar. I'm thinking about people who don't do dairy. And it's all about access and equity, right? Because... That is how we feel comfortable in spaces or we don't, right. you know. And so we have to think I'm very, very uh, particular about how we think about access and equity. We are we starting with the food? Are we starting with the drink? What about the dress code? What about how the studio is? You know, the studio is an informal space. So immediately people are different there. It's not uh, a, like a, the museum, for example. Right. So. When we are comfortable, when we can come in our flip-flops, 
how will we show up you know so food is very much a part of that i think like the only thing it's safe to have is just water um <laughs> that's basically it the you know even thing. water some people only drink bottled water and i'm like this is from the faucet are you okay with that <laughs> this is arlington <laughs> Oh my gosh, they had that thing at the the Arlington County Fair a few years ago that was the like tasting different kinds of water and if you could tell if it was Arlington water or not. Oh my god. <laughs> Another public engagement, you know, survey. Right? And mm-hmm. everybody tried it because everyone wanted to, you know, believe that they would know. Right. And also, you know, you're just having some water. Who cares? Right. right? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, we say sometimes, you know, we'll have tea, but um like our Michaelis Knight, we had an artist in residence, Hanan Said, she's uh, Eritrean. Um, and so she brought, she said, okay, you'll, you have tea, I'll bring my tea. And I said, okay. And she bought it in their you know, traditional teapot and uh, their traditional cups. So even if it's just tea, it can be so many different ways. And so, you know, and people bring things, they donate things to the studio. So I have a big bag of hibiscus leaf, uh, petals that make tea. And so even tea is which we might not have thought about as tea, you know? Mm-hmm. I had a Egyptian uh, chef once, Ida. Uh, she had had a, uh, she had spoken at a community event and she had bought her cardamom tea and we were all, you know, drinking out of that fancy pitcher, uh, teapot. So, yeah. Have you, have you seen, I just saw this lately. Um, I saw that someone was making, <clears throat> I guess it's called ciabatta bread. Uh-huh. And they were taking um different kinds of peppers different herbs and they were ba- basically making a, a floral arrangement on the bread so it looked like it was like this tapestry or this painting oh my goodness it was amazing and i was like oh my gosh that's beautiful and you saw that like in arlington in a bakery or something because that sounds like a tv show <laughs> right no no I, I saw it someplace online where i was like uh-huh. oh, gosh, oh yeah yeah <clears throat> People do all kinds of, I had, a, you know, one of my, my first solo show when that was in 2012, before I had the studio, um, my theme was uh, Let's Tell Our Tales and they are artist books and collages and stuff like that. And my friend, she, Elda, she used to make cakes at that time. And my logo for the, uh, my handmade storybooks is an, op- is uh, a mommy elephant and a baby elephant. And it's in this Indian style art. And, you know, they are talking to each other. So she had made a cake, which was an open book, and this mommy elephant and the baby elephant standing on it in exactly the same design, but three-dimensional. And she brought that to my opening. And I'm like, I can never cut this cake. I can't eat this. <laughs> and I, I, I told people, you can eat the book, but nobody can touch the elephants. And I still have them in my freezer. Because, <laughs> you know, it's so beautiful. And right. oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so, Sushmita, um, thank you for coming on. I, I really appreciate hearing your your story and your perspective. And we we always wrap up with these few questions. So, just a few more questions to go, and I'll let you back to your family. Um, okay. I'll go first. You, Matt, go first. Okay. So during the okay. pandemic, it seemed like everybody got very much on the. I want to learn this train. Uh, you know, some people were learning French, different languages. Some people started baking. Some people started learning <laughs> how to teach yoga. Was there anything in the past year that you either went back and refined or anything that you learned fresh from the start? Well, I learned to teach online art classes. 
the classes I was teaching in person, I learned to do all that online. And I actually started a new class, which was to work with people who have anxiety and who are anxious to teach them some art techniques that artists do and know over the centuries um, to calm themselves down and to be tranquil. So I started my Tranquil Mind, Artful Mind classes, which are such a big hit because so many people are going through so much, so, so much um, right now. So yeah, that my online classes is, is just incredible. And that's uh, one thing I did. And the other thing I did because I, you know, have been trying to go back to school, but it's not been working because of my transcripts, blah, blah, blah. So I started um, taking online courses in Jungian psychology. Um, and so those are the two things that I did a lot the last year. Uh, one kind of taught me about the other, you know? So they really, now that you're asking me about this, I think both of those things kind of went together. Who was uh -huh. I now if I'm teaching an online class? Because I love people. So what happens to a person who loves people who cannot meet people? Right. right? And so I watched it. I, I watched them watching me being freaked out teaching online. And then as they would ease into it, I was easing into it. And so, you know, that that was the big thing for me. Did you binge any television Netflix series? <laughs> What was your like, oh my gosh, I did not even you realize know, how good this was. Actually, I don't watch TV, <laughs> but I did binge. Uh, my daughter, luckily, she made me watch a lot of different shows. I, I watched um, The Queen's Gambit. I watched um, Jane the Virgin. I think I watched 11 episodes in one sitting. That was bizarre. <laughs> And I'm like, what am I doing? And my daughter on her phone, she's like, you watched 11 episodes. I'm like, how do you know that? So, you know, she's like, mom, there's an app. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I did my first puzzle, my first 500 piece jigsaw puzzle, you know, cause I'm never sitting in one place. This is all sitting in one place stuff. Like binging TV, I can't sit in one place, but I'm learning. Right. The pandemic right. taught me to sit in one place for a long time. Um, yeah. And Lastly, uh, we are, uh, Matthew is producing uh, the, an album for a friend of ours, Susan Derry, and it's called I Wish It So. I'm a record producer. Yes. Oh, okay. And um, we basically started talking about wishes and the power of a wish and what a wish really means um, and manifests. And so we started asking our guests, all of our guests, the same question. And I made a wish box and I have been putting these wishes into this box and I'm really interested in opening the box up in like a year and just seeing oh. where, where the, um, where we were as a culture and, and, and our wishes, our desires, what they were at during this time. Um, so if you had one thing to wish for in the world, be it for you, your family, the community, the world, whatever, uh, what oh would your God. one wish be? Oh my God, this is an impossible question. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally impossible. Well, you know, I don't know. I totally don't know. Did you get me to become quiet? Maybe that is somebody's wish. I hope she just keep quiet because I'm trying to think. Well, I, I think <sighs> right, 
I think right now we all know, uh, I, you know, we yeah. keep people say that the world is on fire. Yeah. And it feels like there's so, there's so, there's still such a great divide. There's still yeah. so much to learn. Yes. There's so- you know, I guess my wish would be that people realize that everything that's happening and that happens and has happened is something for us to learn from. So thank you for the word learn, because if we can, um, if, if we can all just see it that way, then things will change. You know, how we see things will change. So I, that is my wish for everybody to know that every moment we are learning and we must learn, we must see what is, I, ho- I wish people would see what is in this moment that we can learn from. That's beautiful and perfect. There you go. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even know if I was coherent, but that's what, <laughs> you know, thank you for that. That is such a great idea because, yes. <clears throat> because, you know, I, I mean, it's incredible what's going on. I mean, it is so, so, so unbelievable, you know, that I just, I just, it's just, just so completely unbelievable. And mm. so all I can do is just, learn from this and you know be here now and learn from the now that's what i wish for people that's a great book be here now be here now yes it's a fantastic book i can't remember the author but yes and we hope that our wish box with all of our guests creates some sort of uh collective consciousness of meditation and prayer that uh just 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 kind of reaches a, a higher plateau and maybe starts here in Arlington and can just keep going further. Oh my God, which which gives me a great, which, you know, so I would wish you might take, consider opening that box at an event at the studio. Ah, oh, that would be, that would be really, really, I don't want to say cool, because that, that'd be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. Because I'm thinking, this is what we do at the studio. People come in there, you know, hoping to do something different and something bigger than just the things of running to work and running back home and making dinner and watching TV and going to bed. You know what I mean? And, uh, and this is so much, you know, so much what, how um, the creative pe- community and the everyday people is such a common thing, the wishing, you know, but I think this is a fantastic idea and I don't know what you would like to do with it, but you know, this, well, it's it, almost it's almost like each piece of paper. Yeah, I, I, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna. Yeah, and I oh my god, and I want to put each piece of paper will be part of will be your show. Yes, it's almost like we will we, cover the whole walls and everything. Yeah, with, well, or if you if you created almost some sort of like, I'll say a tree. Each, yeah, each each um, each piece of paper could be made in such a way that it almost looks like a blossom or something oh, on the tree. Oh my, oh my. You know, almost. we've done that before. At the studio, when it was in South Arlington, I had the poetry, the P-O-E-T-R-E-E, and it was called The Blossom Walk oh, and the Poetry, <laughs> where I uh, had uh, first graders from Oak Ridge Elementary School. I taught them how to write haikus, and after spring day break, they walked from their school to my studio, and on long slips of handmade Asian paper, they wrote haikus and we hung it on a poetry in the studio. 
Well, it seems like we have a lot of things to talk about. Oh my up. God. <laughs> See, I love so, that. I love, oh my I gosh. Love brainstorming on the fly, right? <laughs> well, you know, we walk around with these brains. What can we say? If yeah. we meet another brain that it just connects with, you can't help it. That's right. <laughs> this well, is, we'll, yeah. Look, clearly we'll be uh, in touch about the both the Columbia Pike restaurants thing and... Uh-huh. A future studio pause wish box. Oh my event. gosh, wish box event. Look at that. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, which reminds me actually, I wanted to sh- invite your uh, audience oh, yeah. to our next event, which is a Zoom reception, what I call a Zoom reception. It's on May the 21st. It's a Friday. And it's a show um, called Art as Voice by Ella Endo, who is my intern at Studio Pause right now for the this the first half of this year. But she is from Minneapolis and she's an artist and she uh, has some incredible art which she's going to be talking about and sharing with us her story. Um, so that is at 7 p.m. Again, the details are on studiopause.com slash calendar. And I would love to have you guys join us and you know, the Zoom link will be posted on the on the website, yeah. on the calendar page. Thank you. Well, we will put all of these links in the description of this so people can easily okay. access them. And Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time to speak to us. We really appreciate it, Sushmita. Thank you so much, guys. And I'm so glad you, all rem- you remembered me from those events. And I love to connect back. So this See? was wonderful. <laughs> That's the impression that you and your art make on us. Oh, thank you so much. This is amazing. I'm so glad you thought of talking to me today. Absolutely. And I will share with you the link uh, as soon as I get it ready. And you can share it with your friends as well. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night, Sushmita. Good night. Good night, guys. Bye. Wow, that was a great, great chat with Sushmita Mazandar. I'll put all the links in the description uh, so you can click on them. Hope you attend her Studio Pause event uh, Zoom section. Yeah, and then maybe our wish box reveal. <laughs> it's always exciting when like new ideas come up during the podcast. We call that an acting improv. Yes, and. Yes, and. So we had a lot of yes, ands tonight. Yes, and. Uh, we're very excited about all those connections, and that's why it's so great to talk to creative folks on this, this podcast. We really hope you enjoy listening uh please rate and review uh if you can and if you want to find out more about us you can visit our website www.connersmithmusicals that's c-o-n-n-e-r-s-m-i-t-h musicals.com and uh that will wrap us up for the weekend we uh, are so grateful that you've listened and as we always say turn, turn your, your heart, heart into art. art have a good night everybody good night